Hi, it's Michelle. Thank you for joining me for this segment of this is actually a new segment uh, because the last time I think I recorded uh, did any kind of audio recording or podcast, uh, it was the whole just the Holy Spirit You channel, which I think is fine. But um, this year, beginning now, beginning today with this segment, it is officially the Holy Spirit You channel presents daily bread with jam. Um, it's just something that's been rolling around in my spirit. So you know what? We're going to go with it. Hopefully, either if not this segment or some point in the future, there's going to be some music accompanying this. But we're going to do daily bread with jam. There's something about that just makes me smile. I think, I, I, I not think, I know. We don't always understand the Lord. We don't understand how Holy Spirit works. But you know what? you know when he's working. If you're paying attention, you know when he's working. So the Holy Spirit You Channel presents Daily Bread with Jam. Uh, The jam will be the music, or it will just be a little groove I'm in. I don't know. Uh, But hopefully you'll continue to join me. Today I want to talk about, I think it's time for us, as a body of believers, those that truly believe, it's time for us to move into a place of blessing one, the Lord, two, blessing our own, no, let me, let me rephrase, blessing one, the Lord, two, blessing others, three, that will result in our own lives being blessed. Let's say it again. We're, we need to shift, pivot, actually, not a shift. Shift takes longer than pivoting. Um, you've heard the expression, turn on a dime. We need to turn on a dime. We need to pivot. If you like basketball, you know what a pivot looks like. It does not take a long time. We need to pivot and turn on a dime into one, blessing the Lord. Two, blessing one another. Three, that will result in blessings in our own lives. The, for people that claim to believe, we are woefully illiterate when it comes to spiritual principles. We talk about the obvious ones, but we don't talk about the not-so-obvious not ones. And in fact, the obvious ones, the ones that we hear about, aren't necessarily the ones that are the focus of the Lord unless they have a, first and foremost, an implication for somebody else. Let me say that again. The ones that even we think and we know and believe and practice don't even have the kind of impact we think they have unless they have an implication for somebody else. Let me tell you what I mean by that. We can go and we can be um, nice people. A lot of us who say that we believe are not nice people. We just aren't. So me choosing to be right over choosing to be obedient, which may mean that I need to look like I'm not right, even if I know I am, or even if I believe I am, because only God knows for sure, right? Some, what he's training us to do, it's never about the other person or the other people with God. It's never about them. He uses them to show us things about himself and ourselves. It doesn't mean that he's not dealing with them in some way the same way he's dealing with us. He is just, and so he's even-handed. But we have been in a place for a very long time. I say very long relative to me, so... You can say it relative to you, but hopefully you understand what I'm saying. We've been in a place where 
we just aren't victorious. We just are not walking in victory. We we claim victory, but we don't walk in victory. We, you know, we're we're too caught up in in uh, sensuality. And by that I mean the five senses, not sexuality. Sensuality for our own good. We rely on our senses, which God gave us to use for His use primarily, but also to help navigate this climate and atmosphere that we are in. But our primary we should be primarily tuned in to the to the word of God by the power of Holy Spirit. That should never be in question. But my my fear and my concern, my sense, and and this understand what I'm you know, and I'll say this. I've said this at different points before. I'm either at a place where I've been been through a few things, going through a few things, or trying to get better at a few things. So what I'm sharing with you is not out of anything but my own heart, my own spirit, my own experience. And a lot of what I share, in some cases, it is flat out out of obedience because I wouldn't necessarily be the person. People that know me know this. I tend to be more on the private side. But when the Lord says, I have given you these things because I need you to share them so that somebody else might be helped by them, the argument is over. Any qualms that I had have to disappear. It doesn't mean they immediately disappear. I'm getting better at that. It still might take me a minute, depending on what it is. But at some point, he knows that in my heart and with my mouth, I am saying, not mine, but thine be done. That takes me back to blessing. And I say we have to bless the Lord, and and I'm going to add a little caveat. When we bless the Lord, we are also blessing the power of the Lord in us. Father in creation, Son in manifestation and demonstration, Holy Spirit in transformation. Father in creation, Son in um, manifestation, demonstration. Son in transfer. I mean, Spirit, Holy Spirit in transformation. Jesus tells us plainly, and I'm being a little bit facetious here, but understanding what I'm understand what I'm saying and what I'm trying to convey. As the disciples literally were begging him, probably pulling at the hem of his garment, not to ascend to the throne, he says, "If I don't go, the Father is not going to send the Helper." I'm going to get back to the blessing piece in a minute. But I'm laying the foundation because we have challenges understanding basic principles about the God, the Lord, the Christ, the spirit we say we believe in and are devoted to and are committed to. Many of us can look at each other's lives and tell, no, we're not committed. We're not even trying to be committed. And that's that's okay if that's where you are in your process. But just understand you don't really know where you are in your process. So obedience has to be. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Why does he tell us that? He tells us that obedience is better than sacrifice because in in obedience, whatever we have to sacrifice is already built in. Right? I I might say, let's just use money since we like to talk about money a lot. It's not saying there's anything wrong with it, but we generally use it in the wrong contexts. Just understand that. There's nothing wrong with any of us talking about money 
or achieving the financial and other gains materialistically that we're supposed to have. He says he gives us all things freely to enjoy. We're not doing a great job of enjoying things, but we are using money in many instances to manipulate situations. We have to understand that there's a principle behind why he tells us certain things about money that I'm not going to deal with today. I don't know if I'm ever going to deal with it because too many people are already talking about it. And I'm not sure that that's the road that I'm supposed to go down. But just understand that there's nothing wrong with achieving financial gain if your heart is pure. But he says he gives us all things freely to enjoy. We might say, I'm going to use money as the example because everybody can relate to it. We might say, well, I'm going to give, and I'm not talking about tithe, I'm not talking about offering. I'm, I'm saying, we see somebody, they need a, a meal, or, well, I'm going to give this as my sacrifice, or I'm going to work an extra however many hours at church because that's, that's my sacrifice. You, you haven't even gotten started yet. Because when we compare what's happening in that situation, is we are literally comparing ourselves to the sacrifice that Christ made. Christ didn't make a sacrifice. He was being obedient. That he, he walked in an obedience that required a sacrifice. There's a difference. He already knew that by obedient, be, being obedient, he was going to be sacrificed. So when, when the Lord is saying to us, <laughs> obedience is better than sacrifice, he's saying, you think you know not only what to sacrifice, but the purpose of the sacrifice and how much you have to sacrifice. But according to his word, he said, he's te he told us, you are the sacrifice. Just like he said, son, I need you to go down to save this people. I need you to save this people. This people, by the way, is all humans. It's not, he didn't come to save the church. The church results from obedient believers. Who, who follow Christ and who are obedient. That's what he died to give birth to. This foolishness that we do, where we say we're saved, but we never walk in obedience, that's not what he died for. He died for a transformation, which is, back to the point, why he says, if I don't go, the helper can't come. Now, if we didn't need to be transformed, Coming back to blessing in a minute, I have not forgotten. If we didn't need to be transformed, why would we need a helper? If the intent, however many years ago, because somebody's going to get, get hung up there, however many years ago the day of Pentecost happened, that was the day when transformation started for the entire human race. Whosoever would believe, I'm sending you a helper. I've sent you a helper because I know you don't know. Not only do you not know, you don't know that you don't know. I didn't say we don't know what we don't know. We don't know that we don't know because ego tells us, oh, no, you know. Ego says to us, oh, no, you've got this. And the Lord is saying, when it comes to me and my kingdom, you know nothing unless I have shown it to you, unless I have given you the information, unless I have moved on you to subdue those carnal impulses so that you can humble yourself 
and see the kingdom. If my people who are called by my name would what he doesn't say pray, he says humble themselves. That's the first thing, which means apart from humbling, there is no hearing of prayer. There is no prayer if we're not humble. So real prayer is based in, in humility. Real prayer comes out of a realistic, very sometimes painful understanding of who you are or are not, who we are or are not in the light of Christ. You are not my standard as I should not be yours. However, we have a responsibility to each other to do our best, one, to walk upright before God, but only by his spirit, and then to help each other do the same. We missed the point. We've been in, why, why are we at this place? And I know God knows everything. He knew the beginning from the end and the end, end from the beginning. So he already knows. And even when I'm asking it, it doesn't mean I, don't, I have an answer per se, but I'm going to put some things before you that you need to consider for your own life as it relates to not only how you're going to spend eternity, but how you're going to spend the next few minutes, days, hours, years that the Lord has for you here. There is no by and by without a now and now. There is no future. We don't live in a place called future. We live in a place called now. That's why he says today. Today is the day. Why? Because it's always going to be today. As I record this, today is Tuesday. Tomorrow's Wednesday. But I, when I get to Wednesday, I won't be saying, oh, today is tomorrow. Who says that? No one ever. And yet we live that way, spirit, soul, and body. We live, we should have expectation and anticipation, which is where blessing is going to come in. We should have expectation and anticipation, hope in the Lord, but that doesn't mean we don't walk humbly before him now so that we are transformed to a place where when it's time for us to transition out of here, we can stand before him and say, Lord, I just, I, I, I'm at your mercy. I cast down my golden crown. Too many of us are trying to wear the golden crown now, put it on ourselves without saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not only that, just understand for everybody that has ever memorized the Lord's Prayer, that is a conditional statement about how we are to approach God. So again, prayer is not necessarily, oh, uh, I'm supposed to pray this. Prayer should be something that rises up out of our spirit, out of an understanding that God is bigger, greater, more loving, more powerful. He's everywhere at the same time. He knows everything at the same time than we could ever understand. There has to be a humility. So Christ wasn't just saying, okay, pray this way, like we do. Okay, memorize this. No feeling, very detached, oh, I, I, very works and perform, very performative, very works-oriented. As long as I look like 
But did not Jesus himself say, you judge from the outside performance. I judge from the inside. I'm looking at what you're thinking. I'm going to watch your thoughts, and, I'm, and I'll be able to tell you what you're going to do. He proved it to us time and time again, woman at the well. How did you know? Oh, I know. Not only does he know everything, but he's looking at our thoughts. He was not only telling her who she was, he was telling her, by telling her who she was, let me rephrase, by telling her who she was, he had told her what she was thinking. But we are going to, in this day and age, continue to act like God is not one all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present. In the room right now, looking at your thoughts, David said, if I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I descend into hell, you're there, which means he's every place in between. We are presumptuous in our approach to God. David said, presumption is a sin. If you don't know what presumption means, please look it up. Just go get a regular dictionary. Just look it up. Don't be afraid. I want to encourage you in this too because you need to understand the word, not somebody's interpretation of it. It is good to have teachers. The teacher, however, cannot stand in your place. So get yourself some tools and some resources. You don't have to be able to fully exegete a scripture to understand the intention of the Lord. Because that comes through the teacher. I'm going to send you another helper. Holy Spirit has been here since the day of Pentecost. We like to celebrate the day of Pentecost, but Pentecost should be every day. We treat it like it was an event. The day of Pentecost was specifically and expressly the day when the promise was that was fulfilled, the covenant between the Father and the Son was manifested as fulfilled, resulting in the outpouring of the Spirit. He doesn't have to keep pouring them out. He's here. We want to keep celebrating Pentecost. Let me tell you how to celebrate Pentecost. Be filled with the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, be led of the Spirit, live in the Spirit, be humbled by the Spirit, be healed in the Spirit. Every day is Pentecost. Not because he keeps sending Holy Spirit, remember, same Spirit that was in Christ, which was then limited. When Christ came, the Spirit was contained, so to speak, embodied in Christ. He said, I have to go so you can all have. What do we think this whole thing called Christianity is? It is the ability to walk as he walked, to live as he lived. Not Michelle trying to be like Jesus, as what this is what we do. Not you trying to be like or be him, but allowing Holy Spirit, as Paul said, to form Christ in you. Why? Because the scripture also says, I died so that you can live. Now I need you to die so that I can live. We literally allow Holy Spirit to bring the spirit of Christ in and through us, give birth to him, if you want to say it that way. Every time we humble ourselves, I decrease. See, we're good at, 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 at uh, memorizing and quoting. I decrease. But the decreasing is hard. 
The decreasing is against the flesh because ego is going, which is the carnality, the carnal nature is going to say, oh, no, you got this. You don't need God. You don't need Jesus. And if you go to church enough times, you'll be fine. If you give enough through the tithe and through the offering, you'll be fine. If you feed a few people every now and then and give away a few things every now and then, you'll be fine. And if that's the case, then why does Jesus himself say, getting back to blessing in a minute, why does Jesus himself say, many will come to me in that day? What day is he talking about? He's talking about the day of transition. Whatever the day of transition is, unless you believe there's in-between time, which I don't personally believe in, but when we, when we come out of, okay, so understand, let me, let me back up just a, just a minute. Understand we're in eternity right now. Okay, eternity is eternity, which by definition does not end. It has a beginning and it has an end, just like God. So time, eternity doesn't stop to allow for us to be in time. Time is eternity manifested. So eternity is spiritual. Time is the manifestation of eternity. That's why he says on, on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying at some point there's supposed to be a full manifestation of heaven on earth. That's not some mystic principle that, or, or idea. He's saying uh, it has to manifest. <clears throat> but I need people, I need vessels through which I can bring the kingdom. That's why we are here. Jesus was a manifestation of heaven on earth. If we're trying to be or say we're trying to be like Jesus, want to be like Jesus, want to allow Holy Spirit to form him in us so that he can live while we keep pushing ourselves down, as painful as that might be, then what will happen is eventually heaven will be on earth because we will have cooperated, co-labored with him to make that happen. Not our doing, his doing. Not our plan, his plan. So what, tell me about your sacrifice. Please tell me about your sacrifice. Because there is no sacrifice that is great enough to say that every human being in the world, not just Christians, whosoever will, he died for all. So every time we create division and schism, that's why he says I hate it, because you're making other people believe that he did not die for them. I don't know about you, but when I finally got an understanding, or at least a little bit of one, when he finally illuminated some things for me, and I decided to give my life to Jesus for real, it was after the first time when I, <clears throat> when I already thought I was a hot mess. But years later, <clears throat> excuse me, through another series of circumstances, I found myself questioning what that salvation meant to begin with. Because I didn't see a whole lot of people walking in it like they believed it. And I had to humble myself. I said, I, I, okay. <laughs> okay. Tell me about your sacrifice. Obedience is the sacrifice. We are to be living epistles. We are to be living sacrifice. Both of those are oxymorons. A living sacrifice means I'm still walking around here looking at you just like nothing happened. And inside, I'm, my hide is burning because I'm on the altar all the time, 
burning off the flesh that could interfere with the work of the Spirit through me. I don't know where you're listening from. I'm here by myself, but it's awfully quiet. And I say that jokingly, but at the same time, you know it's true. I made all these sacrifices. No, you didn't. (laughs) Because you're comparing yourself to Christ. We've got to get out of this mode of, well, Sister Susie Q, Brother So-and-so, they did this, they didn't do that. They, Uh-uh, that's not the standard. I love you, but I'm not measuring myself against you. I'm grateful for you, but you are not my standard. Christ is the standard for all of us. And part of the challenge that we had, that's why Paul, <laughs> Paul said, uh, did, did did I baptize you in a, into a, a, a Apollos? Or he was making the point that if we were all paying attention to the high, the great high priest, instead of the personality right in front of us, then we wouldn't have so many issues. Some of you are challenged in your life right now because you can't see beyond the people around you into the spirit realm where Christ is. And he's also here by the power of the Spirit. He's in both places. So you can't be high and lifted up with him, seated with him, because you can't get it together down here. They work at the same time. We are present here and present there. If we weren't present there, we wouldn't be here. Now, the question is, what happens when we leave here? You don't think those swords of fire are set at the garden for a reason, for, uh, for no reason, do you? They are saying, yes, I, I birthed you into, you were born into, but you're going to have to do some work to get back in. Many will come to me in that day and say, didn't we do? And he will say, and it breaks my heart every time I hear it, every time I read it, depart from me. I never knew you. He's not saying that he didn't know you cognitively. He's saying you never humbled yourself. You desired the world and your own carnality more than you desired me. So we were never able to consummate our relationship. I couldn't live through you because you had so much going on that you made no place for me. So let's talk about blessing. Blessing is what Esau gave up because he was hungry. His senses were governing when the spirit should have been governing. So just understand, even though it was Old Testament, Christ is still present in those places. Because John, 1 John, tells us that there was, there was not a thing made that, that, that Christ wasn't included in, or that he was a part of, or that wasn't, that didn't come into being without him. So Esau is someone given to the flesh. And if you want to understand where God makes his decisions, he's telling you, whosoever will, but we're not doing this flesh thing. It doesn't mean we don't have a process. It doesn't mean we don't have to grow. It doesn't mean that just like we are born as infants into the earth, 
that there's not a growth process for each of us that's defined. Just like we see it in the natural realm, as we like to say, the greater process is the supernatural process, the spiritual process that we have to undergo to become like Christ, not by our doing, but by humbling ourselves earnestly, not lip service, earnestly, where the Lord can see it in private and in public, humbling ourselves and allowing him to make us what he created us to be. Esau was hungry enough that he sold his birthright in the Lord, the birthright of the firstborn, by the way, for a pot of beans, governed by the senses, the spirit of carnality, the spirit of flesh. The Lord says to us, I need you to give up that pot of beans for just a minute because I know you think you're going to starve, but you really are not. Just give me a minute. Many of us have been down that road. Where's that next meal coming from? And so it feels like you have to give up the blessing in order to eat. Tell me I'm lying. But he's saying you don't have to sneak around for it. You don't have to deceive anyone. He's saying I'm right here. All I need you to do is bless me. Now, before you misinterpret that, the blessing of the Lord is if you love him, you'll obey him. If you love the Lord, you'll obey the Lord. That's the blessing. Sometimes the blessing is, Lord, I bless you. I bless your name. I bless every talent, gift, ability you have given me. I bless every functioning, every, every part of me, every aspect of this life that you've given me. The parts that I like right now and the parts that I don't like, I bless them. Because I know that blessing is in your hand. I also humble myself. You want to bless the Lord? Cast down your golden crown at his feet. Tell him that you worship him and adore him, not because he needs to hear it. God is not egotistical. But because when we do that, we humble the flesh. We put our hides on the altar. I like to call that a mebicure. We need to have more mebicures. Living sacrifices. I am walking in obedience literally many times while the flesh is burning. We have different sayings for that. I've heard it differently expressed different ways. But the, the principle is that it's not miracles don't come like they're not fairy tales. They might end up in a fairy tale. Understand what I'm saying? But initially, <laughs> there's going to be some pain involved. Because the flesh is at enmity with God. Bless first the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise forever shall be in my mouth. And every time we say that, we're lying. Then we have to repent because we told the lie. 
Every word you sing, he's holding you accountable for. Everything you say, he's holding you accountable for. I will bless the Lord at all times. <laughs> Jesus. We repent because that's not what we do. We like to say we do it. Lord, I'm going to bless you. Lord, I just bless you right now. Yep. Ten minutes from now, somebody cuts you off in traffic. Are you still blessing the Lord at all times? Somebody takes your parking spot. Somebody takes your seat at church. Somebody doesn't keep their word. Somebody breaks your heart. Somebody doesn't pay you the money that they owe you. Somebody treats you in a way that you used to treat them, and now you can't take it. Are you still blessing him at all times? Is his praise always in your mouth? So work on. We've got to work on blessing the Lord. We've got to pivot out of this poor mouthing. We don't have anything. I don't have nothing. Can we do any better? We serve the living almighty God. Come on now. Bless the Lord. And then bless somebody else. You know what? I don't know what you're going through. I'm giving you examples, and I'm even saying this to you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't need to know all your situations and circumstances, but I just want to bless you today. And sometimes that blessing may involve some exchange of something material or financial. I'm not saying that it doesn't, but guess what? Even when you just come out of your heart and through your mouth, the spirit illuminates the soul. The soul governs behavior and speech. So where, where's your thoughts? Where are your emotions? Are you all over the place because you haven't humbled yourself? If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves, then pray. That's a principle. He's saying if you're not humble, you can't pray. And if you do pray when you're not humble, it's not, a, it's not the prayer that I honor. That's why we haven't seen the kind of healing we think we should in our land. And first, the first and foremost of the land is our own earthen vessel, this earth. The kingdom should first be seen in earth so that it can be seen on earth. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Don't we say that? From dust we came, from the dirt we came, from the dirt we go back to earth. In earth. If it's in the earth, it'll be on the earth. Humility, living sacrifice, is tied to blessing. If Esau would have said, and the Lord knew he wasn't, so I'm not trying to change the end of the story. I'm just telling you based on what I know right now. And based on by the, by the time you hear this at least, and maybe, some of, maybe you already know it. I'm not trying to, that's not where I am. I'm saying if he would have said, if he would have put himself on the altar first, he would have still had his blessing. By the way, I don't need to take your blessing because God is big enough to bless everybody. Whenever we say, here's the problem with, with this thing that we have called scarcity. We got FOMO. We got scarcity. We got all of these other things and tactics that people use psychologically to manipulate. Guess what? If we are doing that and we claim to be believers, basically we're saying that God is not big enough to handle everybody he let, allowed to be in this earth. He has enough. I will. Provide your need according to my riches, not your riches, in glory, which means, one, we, don't, we haven't seen glory yet. <laughs> and if we're talking about eternity, we, we can't even fathom. So anytime we say there's not enough, what we're saying is, 
God can't take care of everybody he put here. God's not the issue. We are we're the issue. We don't have a supply problem. We have a distribution problem. He is big enough to take care of 100% of 100% of the people. That includes you. That includes me. I've had my moments of scarcity. Trust me, I have. More than I care to count, to be honest with you. I've had those moments, spirit, soul, and body. You've had those moments. Let's not act like they don't exist. But when we bless the Lord at all times and repent when we don't, right? So it's not that we have to be on the all times part. The part we have trouble with is the repentance part because we think once saved, always saved. No, that's not true. First, you have to be truly saved. If you're truly saved, which we don't determine, God determines that. And he determines that based on how we love, based on how we humble. Because you can't love if you don't humble. Because at any given point in time, there could be multiple people doing multiple things that are going to either annoy, frustrate, hurt you, and vice versa. You could be doing the same to other people. But we get out of this place of selling our birthright for a bowl of beans. Bless the Lord. Bless somebody else. You know what? I bless you today. I pray the Lord's will be done. His blessing, the fullness of his blessing, come into your life. I'm also going to say, I pray that you fall on your face of repentance so that the fullness of his blessing can come into your life. Or at least can be an operation. Receive the power of Holy Spirit. Stop talking about the helper if you don't want the helper to help. Stop celebrating Pentecost and live in Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is always available if you receive him, but that means that you have to get out of the way. If you don't believe, that's fine. But don't act like you believe if you don't believe. That's between you and the Lord. People can tell the difference. There's a lot of people running around here saying, Lord, Lord. And Lord is not even anywhere near them, and you can just look at them and tell. You can watch it come out of their mouth and know it's not the spirit of the Lord. He says the demons believe, and they tremble. Y'all believe y'all just going to stand straight up and lie. <laughs> so he's called us out from Genesis to Revelation, and that wasn't even the whole thing. It is what we use as the full representation and the full authority of the word of God in our lives. It's what he decided should be in there. The parts we need to know outside of that, if there is anything that pertains to our lives spiritually, I mean, specifically, he'll let us know. He knows everything. But first, we got to deal with the part we have. We might even deal with the part we have. We're trying to find out more. Well, you said this, but yeah, I do it. I'm, I'm famous for it. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you right now. Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing some inconsistency here. That's what I call it. I'm seeing some inconsistency. 
This is what you said, but this is what it looks like. How do you want me to navigate that? And then I'll wait. It wasn't always the case, though. I used to just go barreling in like a bull in a china shop. Thinking that I know. But what the Lord is looking for by the power of his spirit is, can we just be honest? Can we just be honest with him? You know what, Lord? I really do want to love you. I want to believe in you. I want to bless you, but I am not feeling that. That at least gives him something to work with because he already knows the truth. The Lord hates the lie. The lie is at the foundation of all sin. Who told you you were naked? So you believe that, but you didn't believe what I told you. Mm. It's not what the Lord says we have trouble with. It's what comes after it. Because we don't trust him. We don't trust him the way we should. We haven't, many of us, haven't forgiven him. Oh, I'd love to. I go to church every Sunday. That doesn't mean nothing. He said, many will come to me in that day. And everybody in the church, quote, unquote, I'm talking about church universal, those that believe in Christ. I'm not talking about a specific church. The church universal will say, oh, I go to church. Like that's a qualifier. That's not the qualifier. The qualifier is, have you repented? Do you love the Lord? Obedience. Are you causing division in the church or any place for that matter? Are you keeping other people who don't look like you, act like you, talk like you, walk like you from coming to Jesus? See, he, he, he's not playing the superficial stuff that we like to operate in. The Lord is serious about his business. Oh, the Lord needs me to do. No, he doesn't need you. He's allowing you so that you can get the fullness of your blessing, of your birthright. Don't get it twisted. He doesn't need. If we say God needs, we're saying he's insufficient, and then why are we all here? That's rhetorical. If he needed, we wouldn't be here. He desired, he wanted us to participate with him, co-labor. All nations, all people. So stop with the foolishness. It's time for us to pivot into blessing. And what happens when we begin to bless even the things and the people and the places that we don't like? that don't look like us, that don't act like us, that don't feel like us, that really could care less if we existed. When we begin to bless, when we pivot into a position of blessing God and then blessing others, guess what? We are then in a cycle. We have turned the cycle. We have pivoted from a place of deficit living to abundance. Doesn't mean everything's going to look the way we think it should because we don't know what it's supposed to look like to begin with. We have an idea. We have a sense of it in our spirits. That's why we keep going after things. That's why something called perfectionism exists. None of us is perfect, but we have a sense of something. Perfectionism is sin because there is only one perfect, and we are, a, we are to submit ourselves by the Spirit to trust him with the life he gave us. 
and relinquish it back to him and say, okay, what do you want to do here? You put me here for a reason. How do we manifest your kingdom in this earth first? I'm pointing at myself right now. So that it can be on the earth to others. So that others will want to be. Blessing. It's time to pivot. It's time to pivot. I didn't say shift. I didn't say transition. I didn't say your next. We don't know what our next is. God knows what it is. And it's not the same for everybody because just like we don't grow physically at the same rate, we don't grow and experience things spiritually at the same rate. But I believe we can get much closer if we begin consistently to repent daily and to bless the Lord first, bless others, and shift then our lives into a mode that becomes one where the blessing overtakes the sower. My name is Michelle. Thank you for joining me for this segment of the Holy Spirit You Channel's Daily Bread with Jam. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.